The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We will talk about Aaron Rodgers and why the Packers need to stay the course instead of a fresh start around him. We're going to also talk about what a difference a year makes, or in fact, six or seven months with the Bucks and Hawks. Just completely two different teams at this point after being Eastern Conference Finals foes. We'll talk about the win last night. We'll run through some golden kegs and get into that. Lastly, we will do Chuck's Corner, which is really, it's sports adjacent. I'm going to talk about why I think this next four days for college basketball sometimes can be better than March Madness. It really can. I know it's it's sacrilegious to say, uh, but truly, it is an amazing day of basketball. Starts at 10 a.m. If you want to put on the the MAC quarterfinal, if not, 1030 Big Ten Network. Here we go, Indiana, Michigan. So, and obviously, we'll react to Marquette. We'll talk about Wisconsin's matchup, whether it be Maryland or Michigan State, on tomorrow's show, as well as more of a little bit of a weekend preview and anything else that comes across the wire. Maybe baseball can pull their heads out of their ass. Before we talk about Aaron Rodgers, let's remind everybody where we are on social media Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram. Facebook, TikTok, you got to be following on a few. I would appreciate it. Also, um, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. If you are new to the program, maybe you're a fan of Nolan Murphy's, you're trying to check us out on other non-Murph-related podcasts, or you're a Mitch Ross fan, uh, for that matter, uh, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, if you want to rate, leave a rating or review, we would be greatly appreciative of those. All right, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, it was the talk of the town yesterday. I think that more people probably talked about Russell Wilson. Um, just from the podcast I listened to, um, Russell Wilson was the headline. Um, Aaron Rodgers was sort of the sub-headline. And I think that's totally fair. I'm not going to do a big thing like, this is disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers. It's not, because I think everybody predicted this. And this kind of furthers Mitch's point yesterday, if you listen to Tapping the Keg, where Mitch said, you know, this isn't a surprise. Like, nobody is surprised by this. Everybody kind of expected Aaron Rodgers to come back. I think that's fair, and I think that definitely is something that Green Bay knew and Green Bay felt good about, I think, at the end of the year. I think when Rodgers stayed in Green Bay to talk with Matt LaFleur and to have that conversation about what went wrong after the San Francisco debacle, to me, that was the first indication and the one that I felt maybe the best about that Aaron Rodgers was going to stay. And then the fact that Aaron Rodgers, you know, kind of was still in the spotlight, like he didn't go away. He had such a good MVP speech. He had such a good conversation with Pat McAfee, where it was really hard for me to see Aaron Rodgers leaving. And so with that comes the reaction, right? You always are going to have reaction. There are a hundred analysts talking about the same fucking things. So they're going to have similar takes. Now, I was going to do like this take thing. I decided not to because a lot of them are similar. And when I heard guys like Kevin Wilds, Booger McFarlane, who I both, both who I actually really like, say like Rodgers need, they need a fresh start. Like they need to, you know, make sure that they are going, or well, Booger said it wasn't going to work, which I pushed back on. And Wilds was more that they need a fresh start. But I feel like Booger is in the same sense of this fresh start mentality that they need to shake up the deck and they need to do things differently around Aaron Rodgers. And no disrespect to either of those guys. Like I said, I like them, but I just don't think they're paying enough attention. 
I don't think that they are really watching the Green Bay Packers on a regular basis because, in my opinion, that is not what the Packers need. The Packers need to stay the course. The Packers need to make sure that they are doing all of the things that they did to get themselves to a conference championship game and hopefully get over that hump and get to the Super Bowl. I think at this point, the playoff failures are mental. I think what happened to Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field in the cold in a game that the Packers win, I think, nine times out of ten, was all mental. It became, the moment became too big and Aaron Rodgers choked. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not going to defend what happened to Aaron Rodgers that day. But I think the conversation between him and LaFleur was a lot of how do we fix this? What do we do differently? How do we get your mind right for these playoff games? What can we do? How can I help? Matt LaFleur is one of the best coaches in the NFL. Matt LaFleur is never going to get credit for how good of a coach he is in the NFL until he either wins Super Bowls or he does it without Aaron Rodgers. Matt LaFleur knows what the fuck he's doing. Part of the reason why Aaron Rodgers is back is because of Matt LaFleur. Full stop period. If there was a guy like Mike McCarthy, if there was a guy who maybe did not vibe with Aaron Rodgers, maybe it's still a younger guy, like, I don't know, Nick Sirianni, let's just, total example. But like, Nick Sirianni, right? And he's like upbeat, energetic, and and Rodgers just doesn't vibe with it. Or they try to like go after a new coach, like whatever, the LaFleur hire, let's just say it didn't work, and they went and they moved on. You know, I don't know if Rodgers is here today. But because of Matt LaFleur, because Matt LaFleur is a connector, because Matt LaFleur is a leader, Aaron Rodgers is here. And and Matt LaFleur did such a good job keeping everybody together and keeping everybody even keel. He is extremely successful and deserves a lot of credit for why the Packers are what they are for the last few years. In regards to staying the course, Matt LaFleur does stay the course. Matt LaFleur is the reason why you stay the co- stay the course. They've won 13 fucking games the last three years. Why would you change anything? Do not fix what is, what is not broken, all right? Are the Packers playoff failures a part of the break? Yeah, for sure. But they already fixed that. They You could argue that they've already made sort of steps to have a fresh start. They brought in somebody, Rich Basicchia, who had no exposure to the Packers to fix their special teams. Apparently, they're interested in Ray Ray McLeod, who was a Pro Bowl returner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, to me, those are things that Green Bay, Green Bay is doing to basically start fresh. And Green Bay is probably going to have to start fresh because of some of their free agency. And so I think some of the idea of like starting fresh or trying something new kind of comes natural with the nature of the business. Like they're not going to sign MVS. I think we should all understand that. Like Marquez Valdez Stantling is going to get 10 million a year. Green Bay, while the cap isn't real, at some point the rubber meets the road and investments are better spent elsewhere. Green Bay is not going to spend the money on Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I think the injuries, I think the drops, he has potential, I get it, but it hasn't came to actual success. And he's a good dude too. Like He's a great locker room guy. He's friends with Aaron Rodgers. You can't keep all of Aaron Rodgers' friends. And I and I will be curious to see if Brian Gunacus talks to Aaron and is like, hey, it's between like Robert Tunyon or Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We can't keep both. Just 
here's why, and I know you like both, but I want to get your POV. Who do you who would you prefer? I'm not making any promises that we'll keep that guy, but I just want to hear your perspective. I personally think Rodgers would say Tunyon. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, but I think he would say Tunyon. And he and I think they want to keep Lazard. I think Lazard to me, if we had a power rank, you know, the skill position keeps, I think Lazard one, Tunyon two. Marquez three and I think that three is deep because Tunyon has the ability to control the middle of the field Tunyon was a guy they desperately needed against San Francisco that middle of the field was open there were so many times where Rodgers needed that safety valve and Robert Robert Tunyon and then the the other one would be Lazard because Lazard blocks his ass off and Lazard to me has a lot of that physical Packer receiver type traits. He's not entirely fast, but him and Rodgers drew such a connection down the stretch. I think Lazard could have a breakout season next year. I think the Packers, if they were smart, would get Lazard on a very team-friendly deal next season because I don't think the there is that like wow factor with him. Like, and that is total not disrespect to Alan Lazard, but I think with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and what gets Marquez Valdez-Scantling paid is the fact that he can stretch the field. The fact that he is a vertical receiver that everybody wants. Like that, it's the, it's the Tyree Kill fetization. Oh, that's not a word, but like the fetish of Tyree Kill, which I know you're like, well, fetish, you're like porn, whatever, get your head out of the gutter. But it's like the idea of, like having a, a wide receiver that can just completely, you know, change the game with one fucking play, with one run down the field, that's solved for. It's why Miko uh, Hardman has kept a job with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, there is something to that idea that you can have that receiver that could basically win you a game with just a straight line. And so I think that's why Marquez Valdez-Scantling is going to get paid. And the rumor is the Bears, I guess. I saw somebody. I need to talk about Evan Massey in one of these days. Um, because I, I do have an interest. Maybe let's do that tomorrow. I, don't, I won't do it today. But I, So I, I shouldn't even quote that Massey said that he was going to go to. The, he was rumored to the Bears. Because he's not a real journalist. So, um, and I don't mean to shit on him. But he just isn't. Um, he's been wrong about a lot of things. So I, I can't. I can't take him seriously. So Green Bay is going to st- is going to change sort of the course, and they're going to do things differently just because there are different players, and that it's going to be a different team, and that teams change year to year. You can have continuity, you can have sort of similar, you know, elite players. But there are going to be differences on the fringes. There's going to be differences with rookies. There are going to be guys that come in, whether the Packers draft an edge rusher, whether the Packers draft a receiver, actually do it, whether they draft a running back, whether, you know what I mean, offensive lineman. There's going to be natural changes. So this idea that Green Bay has to shuffle the deck when they've won 13 games the last few years is just plain wrong. Do they have to think about how they prepare for the playoffs a little differently? Yeah, potentially, right? They have to think about that. They have to think about how do we make sure Aaron Rodgers understands that this isn't all about him? Because I think what happens in those playoff games, and this is me being an amateur psychologist, this is my, me putting my Dr. Melfi pantsuit on, is that Aaron Rodgers thinks that everybody is watching him, that all eyes are on him, that everything is criticized if Rodgers wins or loses. I think 
because of all the COVID shit, because of all the things that happened this season particularly, there was an immense amount of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I will not be surprised if Aaron Rodgers takes a step back in the media next season. I'm, I still think he'll do McAfee, but I think Rodgers will be less controversial. I don't think he's going to be as out there. I think Rodgers will sort of understand that he brought it on himself and he needs to kind of take a step back. I really do. And I, I, I'm curious if he starts a family with Shailene in the offseason or if that's something that they'll wait on. Not that like that matters, but I do think that changes somebody. I've, you know, I've talked to friends who've had kids and I, I just see it. Like I don't even need to ask them if, you know, it has changed them being a father or being a mother. You can just see it. You can just see the way they act, the way they talk, the way they, you know, it, it changes. It's it's psychological again. So I think that the Packers don't necessarily need to change because the change will happen naturally. And they just need to make sure that the pressure and the moment doesn't get too big. And what they do in the regular season carries over the playoffs and they'll be just fine. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. It was really interesting to watch the Bucks and Hawks last night. The Bucks were in pure control. It was in a really impressive game from the Bucks to absolutely dummy the Hawks when they were coming off a back-to-back that was a travel back-to-back. Like they had to go for a day in Oklahoma City. They go down to Oklahoma City. They beat their ass. Then they beat the Hawks' ass. And to me, this is the most impressive stretch for the Bucks. The people more national than local that wanted sort of this like Bucks run, that wanted to see the Bucks get hot, here you go. Like no matter what happens in Golden State and Utah, the fact of the matter is the Bucks made their case of why they are the East favorite. No one should be picking anybody other than the Bucks. If you are, you're trying to be different. I do think the Bucks are getting the Warriors at a great time. No Draymond Green. He's going to be back on the 14th. I think the Jazz are always tough to play at, on the, at home. But I do think the Bucks match up okay with the Jazz as long as they can stop their three-point shooting. And that's been a problem for them. No Joe Ingles. Um, the Jazz are just a little different. It's just like we talked about with the Packers, right? Things change, right? It, and so I don't, I don't know if I take the Jazz as seriously as I have in the past, where I'm like worried. They give us fits, sure, but I, I do think Giannis against Gobert is a great matchup for the Bucks. So I, those are going to be two really premier games, and and they're both on national television, ABC. Uh, Friday, Saturday night and then ESPN on Monday. So you're really going to get sort of a lot of eyeballs and a lot of people talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. And yes, Giannis is building an MVP case. And I, I don't want to do the MVP talk because I know everybody else is doing it. Every day it's somebody else. You know, Embiid had a crazy stat line. Jokic had a crazy stat line. Fucking Jason Tatum's on fire, and Jason Tatum's probably working his way into the conversation. Um, so, like, I think like the MVP conversation for basketball should be limited to once a week, and it should be like let's just let's just see where we are, power rank it, and then that's it. It should not be an everyday conversation, but we want it to be because it's it, it's a dead time, I guess. It's a dog days of the NBA. I like. I like unique things, and that's why like Stephen A is so good at his job, right? I don't know if you guys saw Stephen A do the Kyrie Irving. I know people. I just a real quick aside. I know people do not like Stephen A in Milwaukee because he shit on the Bucks before he shit on the city. But Stephen A had a take about Kyrie, where Kyrie scored fifty points, and he's like, it made me sick. 
And he went on this whole rant about how if Kyrie gets vaccinated, like Kyrie has robbed us of being one of the best offensive players in the NBA in history. And he's so fucking right. Because like Kyrie, because of all the stuff, like he is definitely the what if of the NBA for this generation. I think there's always that guy. I think there is that in the NFL. I think that's an MLB. And sometimes it's injuries, but sometimes it's this, where it's like you got in your own way so much that if you just would have stayed the course, theme of theme of the podcast today, you would have been great. And for Kyrie, man, you have to wonder that. And I thought that was a great take by Stephen A and different than the classic MVP stuff. But we kind of sidetracked there. What I what I did want to talk about was the fact that the Bucks and Hawks look so different from really nine months ago. Like nine months ago, we watched the Bucks and Hawks take on each other. Could the Hawks win the title? It was fucking 2-2 heading into game five. And it was without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo suffered a knee injury that we thought was catastrophic. I remember, I mean, their podcast where I I was so solemn. I, I came home from Mitch's. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this is so scary. Like, who knows where this goes? I, and we had just signed Giannis to this big deal. Now Giannis, I think, was a superhuman. And Giannis is basically the, the version of Superman. And that's what Shaq has given him the title and was able to play in game one of the finals. But the Bucks won without him and they did it with Brooke Lopez. They did it with Chris Middleton. And they did, Bobby Portis had a big role in that. And they won that series against Atlanta, winning both in Milwaukee and, and Atlanta to clinch. From there, the Hawks have, Hawks had a comment at the start of the season that the regular season is boring, that they're not really looking forward to the regular season. And they've had moments where they've looked great, but the Hawks, you know, continually struggle against good teams. And they're right now 10th in the West, or the East, excuse me, not the West. They're 10th in the West. They will take on Toronto, um, right? That's the matchup. That's how the, the seating works. Yeah. They will take on Toronto at this point in the playing tournament. So they will get Toronto. Now, Toronto's not really playing that well either. They did have a nice one against San Antonio last night. But. Atlanta is the 10th seed. Right now, the Bucks have ascended to the second seed. They're only two back of the heat for the one seed, which is absolutely crazy for all the dirt that has been thrown on the Bucks. where it's like, oh, championship hangover. It's like, no, they just needed this hot streak. And no one's really separated themselves in the Eastern Conference, unlike the West, where it really is a cluster of Phoenix, then Memphis and Golden State. And when I say then, it's like a pause because... Memphis and Golden State are like eight, eight to nine games behind Phoenix. Phoenix is in a class of itself. And then you have Memphis and Golden State, and then you have everybody else. For the East, it's just a hodgepodge. No one's really, you know, made a case. The Bucks at this point look like the team that's making that case. And then you pair that with what the Hawks are right now. And the Hawks are going to be lucky to actually play in the playoffs. And they have not got their their hot streak. And you just wonder if their roster construction just was not there for them. That they didn't look at this and say, all right, we have too many guys. We have too many guys that want to touch the ball. And I'll be really curious to see what the Hawks do this offseason. Like, was two years ago a fluke? Was it a Mickey Mouse season for the Hawks? Where Did the Hawks just get lucky because they played a Philadelphia 76ers team that had arguably one of the biggest choke moves in, in like 
you know, that it's just an iconic moment and the Hawks were there, right place, right time. We've seen this in other sports, right? Where it's just a random year. And it could have been that. I think next year is a pivotal season for the Hawks and Trey Young. Like, there's going to be a lot of pressure on that team. And I, they, a lot of old mistakes have been back there. It's the Hawks of old. Like, the Hawks were always a good offensive team, but they couldn't stop a sneeze on defense. And that's what happened with the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks dominated this game from the start. The Hawks really should have, you know, had at least a puncher's chance, and they didn't. Um, and the Bucks had another good third quarter. It wasn't the best third quarter, but again, another third quarter that didn't burn the Bucks. So this is now, what, five or six straight games where the Bucks have really looked pretty decent in the third. Well, that Bulls game was not good in the third quarter, but the Bucks have done a little bit better now in these third quarters. So credit to Budenholzer, credit to the team for sort of figuring out what they're doing in those in those third quarters because. They have been, you know, sort of brutal. So let's let's take a look. Last 10 games for the Bucks. So this is a little bit bigger of a sample size. And let's see, let's see in the third quarter how the Bucks have been from a net rating perspective. So in the last 10 games, Bucks still bad. They are they're seven and three in their last 10, but they, in the third quarter, they have a net rating of 24. Their defense, defense net rating is 114 over 100 possessions, that's near the bottom, that's 21st. Let's look at the last five games, let's see, or six games, so let's do the winning streak. Let's see where the Bucks have been in the third quarter if we filter that out. If we filter that out for the Bucks in there, they're only 20th. So despite like all of their success, their, their net rating has improved by six points. They're at 108. But, but despite all the success, the Bucks are still struggling in the third quarter. Their offense has been terrible in the third quarter, even in this stretch. They they're 26, the net rating in the in the third quarter, uh, 104 over 100 possessions. The only teams that are worse are the Nuggets, the Pacers, the Raptors, and then the pitiful uh, Portland Trailblazers, who are tanking in a very special fashion. So the third quarter maybe not exactly fixed yet. But at least it's getting a little bit better. At least it's not an entire bugaboo for this team. Um, so definitely still a area to work on. But yeah, Giannis has been really good. Chris Middleton's been on a complete heater. Uh, Drew Holiday's had a couple just meh games, but I felt like the defense he played on Trey Young was great. Javon Carter, I know he didn't have that great of a scoring game, but again, another really good effort on on Trey Young and Javon Carter was free. It's unbelievable that the, the Bucks were able to get Javon Carter for absolutely nothing. And the only reason that Javon Carter is on this team is because Steve Nash wanted Goran Dragic because Goran Dragic is a friend. And I know we all wanted Goran Dragic. You're probably like, Charlie, you're a fucking hypocrite. Yeah, that's true. I did want Goran Dragic. But I didn't realize that what the Bucks needed on their, their bench was defense. And they have it now with Bembry, with Javon Carter. I realize that Bembry isn't playing that much. Wes Matthews has been playing over him. I think that's a bud thing, man. Like, I don't know. I would personally play Bembry over Matthews. Um, I think I saw my guy Shafty also saying that. And like he, it's a, it, I totally agree. Like, I don't necessarily get it. 
with Wes Matthews, I think Wes is good, but I would personally, you know, 10 minutes, 10 minutes a piece, 15, five, whatever. I would personally be more on the side to play Bembry a little bit more. As for Golden Kegs for this game, Golden Kegs is our rating system for each of these games, uh, talking about player performance. I know we, we mentioned a little bit of it. Giannis Antetokounmpo definitely getting the three kegs today. 43 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. Uh, Giannis, not great. He had the end of the first quarter three, um, which was great. And that's kind of become a staple here uh, for Giannis. But that was the only three of the game. Uh, he played really well in this one. He was unstoppable. No one on the Hawks roster could handle uh, Antetokounmpo in this game. He's now had 82 points, 19 rebounds. I forget the assist number. I'm not going to look it up. Uh, but, I mean, he's been just on an absolute fucking tear these last few games, or last two games, and definitely, you know, making a case. Um, I'm not going to say the MVP word. Um, I said it. But I do think I would see that conversation getting louder if he has two more big games on national TV against Golden State and Utah. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Golden State's a terrible matchup for the Warriors because they have zero defense against Giannis. Um, this... This is a nightmare for them to face Giannis Antetokounmpo because they they have nobody. Uh, Kevon Ludi cannot hold Giannis's jock. We'll talk more about that game um, tomorrow, but yeah, that's a bad bad matchup for the Warriors. Two kegs. We'll go with Bobby Portis. Bobby, man, great game from him as well. Um, he really kind of was the yin to the yang of Gian, or the yang to the yin of Giannis um, in the first half. He finishes with 23 points, 15 rebounds, another double-double for Bobby Portis, four three-pointers. I don't think, I think they'll give John Morant the most improved player, which I think is really dumb. Like, I don't, I think John Morant is above, like, the most improved level. But I do think, like, Bobby Portis deserves consideration for most improved player. Like, Bobby's had such a good year. Bobby's having a career year. Bobby's starting. He's part of a, you know, two-seeded team. Like, there should be some conversation around Bobby Portis for most improved player of the year. There's no way it would happen because they usually do, it's usually the award. The award needs to be fixed, and that's another conversation for another time. But the most improved player go usually goes to the guy who's next. And unfortunately, John Morant is next. And so John Morant is probably going to get that. But I do think it should be Bobby Portis. One keg, I'm going to actually give it to Giannis's late game three-pointers. Or the, the end of the quarter three-pointers. I think they're awesome. They're a lot of fun. Um, he did, he's done it the last few. He's done it a couple times. It's like the buzzer beater to end the quarter has been sort of a thing for Giannis in the last week or two. Um, so I'm going to give it to that. That's a lot of fun. Um, sometimes, you know, the golden keg doesn't necessarily have to be an actual player. It can be something else that happens in the game. The Oh, and a couple of the Giannis dunks in this game were out of this world. Um, the dunk he had in the first quarter was, was awesome. Um, so I'm going to give it to the Giannis highlight reel as the one keg. Definitely could have gave it to Chris Middleton. He had a great game, 23-8. and eight. 
Um, and you also, eight being the assists, like that's now 17 assists for Middleton in the last two games. Pretty good. Um, and then the defense, as we mentioned with Holiday and Carter, they didn't have good offensive games, but they were putting Trey in a torture chamber. Trey did not, Trey did have 27, but it was a very quiet 27 and not necessarily, and, and a lot of it from a free throw line. He made eight free throws. Um, so definitely a good one for the Bucks. We get ready for the Warriors on Saturday, and we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Wrapping us up with Chuck's Corner. We're talking conference tournament weekend. So, like I said, we'll talk about Marquette's game tomorrow. We'll, we'll preview the Badger game, whole thing. But I did want to mention how awesome this week is. To me, this week can be better than March Madness. And you're like, Charlie, that is a crazy take. But you got to understand, like, there's a high level basketball on from really 10 a.m. till 12, 12.30 a.m. tomorrow. And that is awesome. That that wall-to-wall basketball. And you have it on multiple channels. You have multiple games going. It It is structured in a way where you can definitely sink your teeth into something throughout the day. Like you don't necessarily need to just watch the Big Ten or just have, like they're really a rare, like one verse 16 or two verse 15 type matchups, right? Like, I think, I love the NCAA tournament. I love March Madness. But the first round can be a little stale if it's not structured properly. Now, CBS and the NCAA do a really good job of making sure that doesn't happen. But you can run into your situation where you have a 1 versus 15 or a 1 versus 16 game and it's a blowout, and you have maybe a 4 13 that could have been an upset, but that's becoming a blowout. And then you have like an 8 9 matchup that also is a blowout. And like three out of the four games are blowouts. And you're like, well, I guess I'm just stuck with this 5 12 or 6 11 matchup. And it's okay, but you know, one team's up by eight or nine right? And it's the favorite. And so there's no real, there's nothing really there. So I think that's why this weekend can be really special because you have so many games going on at once, like in the 11 a.m. hour, okay? So I, which is going to be in short time here. Sorry that the podcast is late for my morning listeners. Um, but you'll have the Big East Tournament. You'll have the ACC. You will have the Big 12. You will have the American starts at noon, so you I'd throw that out. But you'll have the MAC. You'll have the Big Ten. They'll have already started because they are 10 and 10.30. Like, it's fucking nuts. It's so much fun, man. And I just think there are a lot of special moments that can be, you know, driven off of this. Um, I would also say that this these are tough days to work. Like, no lie. Like, these are definitely days where it's hard to keep your focus because you're like, I just want to watch hoops all day. And I'm in a hot seat because I have a TV in my office, which has a which is connected to a Roku. So it's not connected to anything else. It's just connected to a Roku. For some reason, my Roku remote is not working. So now I have to set up another another viewing watch where I use my laptop instead. So um, there's that. You know, we we soldier on. Uh, no need for T's and P's. Those who are out working and not at home or probably like go fuck yourself like i would love to be at home watching the games so yes we will have uh marquette basketball on later today we'll see how that goes um as well as so many other good games there there's just basketball wall to wall today so enjoy it 
have fun. Should be should be a really really good good day. Um, as well, tomorrow will get better. I think uh, John Rothstein, who we talk about a lot of this podcast, and also Rothstein had, had a Milwaukee mention, so maybe I'm on his radar. Um, in which he was like something about an Italian festival being in Milwaukee, and I was like, actually, I, I will actually John Rothstein, and I I don't do that, but like. The thing is, is like we have a actually a very vibrant Italian scene. Like we have Gloriosos, we have Scortinos, we have a ton of Italian restaurants. We have there are Italian immigrants that settled in Milwaukee. Like there is actually a lot of Italian that runs through this city, even though we don't have maybe what New York has or Chicago for that matter. But some of the Chicago Italians have migrated up here, even back then. Little Italian history lesson for you. Um, I might be Italian. I don't know. My, my mom always thought I was part Italian, like very little, but thought I was Italian. That's here nor there. Uh, but anyways, Rothstein said like the last few days have been the charcuterie of conference tournaments. Tomorrow starts the entrees. 100% right. Great, great line. Um, these next two days are like a set, like Saturdays wrapped in the one. And it's like the last two like big days of, of just all sorts of spreads. You have like 140 some games. I don't know. It's crazy, man. But I am so excited for it. All right. Enjoy it. It should be fun. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. You know what? I'm probably, I might try to do a Saturday podcast. I'm home by myself on Friday night. My wife's getting drinks with her girlfriends. I might do a Saturday pod. Let me actually, you know what? We might do a space. If I will say, I might do a space, I might do something. Because we have, if we have both Marquette playing and Wisconsin, maybe we'll do a space to just talk hoops after after the fact, since I have no one else to talk to. Um, or maybe I'll do a podcast. I don't know. Stay tuned. Trying to figure that out. I think it's always hard uh, because you go immediately into Selection Sunday um, after Sunday, right? So on Sunday, we're going to want to talk about the bracket. We're going to talk about where Marquette and Wisconsin are. Um, but on tomorrow, we might want to talk about the game itself. So stay tuned on that. I might, I might end up changing course. So I might end up doing something, maybe a quick tap. I've, I used to do quick taps back in the day. We'll see. Um, let me know. Um, let me know what you prefer. Um, we can, uh, can figure it out. Who knows? All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good Thursday. Enjoy all the hoops if you can. If not, you'll at least be home. We also have Nets. We also have Nets Sixers tonight. Um, that's an incredible game too, and Nuggets Warriors. So I mean, basketball up the ass, and the players if they can play because of the rain. So just all good shit, man. What a week! All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.